Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, you bunch of wild people. I don't even know what to call you people. A bunch of million, hashtag million happy warriors. I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to call you people. Guess what? Between last, when, oh, by the way, this is, in case you're wondering who's yelling in your ear, this is the ninja pastor, Dr. Sean Michael Greener, the Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener, just like the big guy just said, man, is it awesome to have some super famous guy announcing me. That's just a cool thing. Uh, J.D. Barker can't listen to can't listen to 24 hours of radio or television without hearing his voice 26 times. Isn't that something? Awesome, dude. Awesome, dude. Great to have him on my team. Hey, listen here. By the way, this is uh, this is episode number three million nine hundred and fifty four thousand one hundred and twelve. In case you were keeping note, in case you're doing those little tick marks. You ever see those little tick marks? You know, when you were a kid, hash, 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 whoosh, through the thing. And then that's five. And you'd count up by five. I understand that in common core, we don't do that anymore. It's probably in some way offensive or not PC to do the little tick, 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 whoosh, you know, can't do that anymore. But anyway, if you're keeping number, this is episode 3,954,112 of Closing the Face in Politics. Yeah, that I, I understand it's a worthless number. Doesn't mean anything. Just like all the labels and the titles and divisions and acronyms we have running around. Yeah, bottom line is America's become a crumbling. By the way, welcome to the collision of faith and politics. America's become a crumbling nation of numbers, labels, titles, divisions, acronyms, and they're acronyms of, 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 of absolute obscurity. Absolute obscurity. Nothing makes any sense. Are you sick of them or aren't you? I am. I'm tired of them. I think they're stupid. I think they're stupid and they're meant to divide. The labels, titles, divisions. They, they're divisive and they're meaningless, but we just go along. We're like, well, okay. Oh, you use these names and titles? Look, I talk about some of them in my book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. If you go to Amazon, you type in Excellence Kill the Church or Dr. Sean Greener, I'll pop up. Hey, buy my book. I make a whopping 40 cents on every book. So I'll be rich and uh, only need to sell about 100 million more books and I'll be rich. And you'll feel better about it because it'll feel good for you to help me get rich. But in the meantime, this short little book is going to is gonna inform you. Some of, some of what I'm going to say today is in the book. But it's even worse. This, these acronyms, divisions, labels, titles, political correctness, all this stuff, it's even worse in the public education system. I have a friend in the public education system, new to that, new into the system, grown person. And every day, it's another weird thing 
that happens that doesn't make any sense. No, no sense at all. No sense at all. We gave the liberals control of the public education system. They said they knew more about education than we did. They said they knew more about how to make our kids smart and viable and worthwhile. Now, I didn't say employable. Don't, don't get mad at me. I didn't say employable. I said viable and worthwhile. I didn't say anything about employable. The American public education system has nothing to do with being employable. Nothing to do with being employable. It's got everything to do with, you know what educators do? They go get more education. I'm sorry, public educator. I should, I should clarify. Public educators, they, uh, <laughs> it's, it, they're constantly getting more education. You know what they get every time they get more education. By the way, I don't know if you know, but it, the more education they get, the more money they make, ostensibly because, say it with me, they'll be a better teacher. So you pay for more education. Uh, my son says, <laughs> by the way, everybody's asking me where Taco Tony is. Taco Tony has been on vacation. Uh, my son says education is important, but big biceps are importanter. That's what he tells me. Curls for the girls. That's what he says. Oh, yeah. And NEA union meetings. Hey, listen here. You go to the union meetings. Here's... Um, Here's, here's what happens. I mean, you go to union meetings and uh, you get told all about, you know, the contract and all this stuff. Here's a, it's, it's, look, give, give up this whole notion that public school teachers, uh, by and large, now there's a bunch of them that are sold out for kids and they love the kids and they want to do their best working against the system. No doubt about it. They are. They, they love kids and they, and they've always wanted to work with kids and they do and they teach well, even against the system that the liberals created, we turned it over to them and they ruined it. But um, there's just, it's just, I want to use the word asinine. That's not cussing, by the way. I'm Reverend Dr. Sean, and I know what cussing is. That's not cussing. Asinine is a, is a real word. It's a real word. And it's not a cuss word. It's, it's not like, but, you know, it's not that. So anyway, so you guys don't freak out. Oh, I started to tell you about between last week's show and... This week's show, let me look here. Let me just pull it up. Let me pull it up here. Let me just see here. Hey to Philly Bob. Hey to Jerry from Pennsylvania. Hey, I'm going to be quoting some folks here. Well, let me just do it now. Uh, let me give you the number. I told you I would do it. Let me pull it up and see how many we got. Between last week, oh, crap. I have 71,438 unread emails. Between last, uh-oh, I have more. There's more coming in. Oof. I don't know what to do. I need, listen, if you want to donate to what we do, we have a donate page on the ninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. There's a donate page. Donate once, donate on an ongoing basis. This is how we do what we do. We front pay everything ourselves. And uh, I need an assistant. Bad. I'm not going to take money for myself, but I need to pay an assistant because I can't keep up with all this. Who knew? Who knew? I had no idea that this would happen. So, okay. So last week, I don't do math. I got a brain injury. I don't know if you know, uh, 71,463 minus 50,605. How many ever that is? I'm pretty sure that's a lot. Wow. 50,000. So that's like 20 some thousand in one. That's the most I think I've ever had in one week. It's crazy. So if you want to, if you listen and you comment, you listen and you click on like, you listen and you share, I'm all for that. Help us out. I mean, that's what does it. That's what does it. Uh, gets her done, but um, 
somebody wants to know what my email is. Uh, smgreener at gmail.com, or you can email me through the show page. Uh, but the best way to get a hold of me, honest to goodness, is through the ninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. Go to that place, go to the contact me. Bada boom, bada bing, you got it. Hey, my buddy Bob Hartman, I'll get back to the open here in a minute. This is the open uh, slash middle of the open. And I just just popped up. My buddy Bob Hartman, I worked worked with him uh, as a law enforcement officer, phenomenal law enforcement officer. Uh, he's retired now, but he's not actually retired. He retired and then he went back to work as most police officers do. Um, and this is uh, this is an article from the federalistpapers.org by Robert Gale, uh, G-E-H-L. Cajun Navy saves thousands, gets sickening news from the government. That some politician would come, this I'm quoting my buddy Bob Hartman, that some politician would come up with this, you know, idea, ends with whole, idea, su surprises not at all. And that he wants to tax those persons, no surprise either. either. Here are people helping people at their own risk and expense. And this, you know what, wants to go uh, make a regulation. Next time the Cajun Navy should just go golfing. That seems to be the action that's easily excused. Let's see what's in this article. By the way, this is not episode, people are like, holy crap, how many did I miss? That's like 900 years, 3,954,112 episode. That's what episode this is. It's not really. Relax. You haven't missed a million shows. It's not episode 3,954,112. That is a worthless number. Just like nine-tenths of other numbers that are out there, they're almost all worthless numbers. They don't, they don't mean anything. These numbers mean nothing. Um, half the time. So, okay, I don't know which is worse, that the government wants to regulate the heroic Cajun Navy after the rescuing, after they rescued countless people. Somebody needs to uh, proofread this article. It's got some missing letters and whatnot, but God bless them. I don't know which is worse, that the government wants to, by the way, last week we had 809,000 downloads through both live listens and downloads. You guys are awesome. If I had a penny for every download, I would be able to hire an assistant rather than an award or plaque or other expression of gratitude from the state. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Let me go back. Uh, once regulate the Cajun Na heroic Cajun Navy after they rescued countless people from Louisiana flooding or that it's a Republican who's behind it, rather than an award or plaque or other expression of gratitude from the state, one lawmaker has decided that the all-volunteer group of Good Samaritans who patrolled the flooded landscape rescuing people needs to be regulated. Cajun Navy member Dustin Clocher of Saint-Amand said he hopped, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Look, these are French words, French Cajun stuff. I don't know the first thing about how to say them. So Dustin Clotrin and of Saint-Amand, I'm just playing. I don't even know. I, if I'm saying it right, it's, it's just a total luck. Um, said he hopped into his pleasure skiff and with others cleared out an entire neighborhood underwater. For the most part, these people are not going to wait for assistance. Clotrin said, good guys, they're doers. But Republican state Senator Jonathan J.P. Perry, they always they always like to have little nicknames, don't they? They like to have little nicknames. I, I love that. J.P. Well, those are his those are his initials. Told WWL-TV, he is working on a bill that could require training certificates and a permit fee to allow the Cajun Navy to get past law enforcement uh, into flooded areas. In a radio interview. Now, this is a Republican. In a radio interview. On News Talk 96.5 KPAL uh, in Lafayette, Senator Perry said it comes down to two main points for law enforcement officials. At the end of the day, there are going to be two things that are going to be the hurdle when you approach it from the state standpoint. Uh, 
Senator Perry said. Liability is going to be number one for them. They don't want the liability of someone going out to rescue someone, then not being able to find them. And secondly, there's a cost. Perry said that with a signed waiver and regulation, the liability issue would be would be solved. Clotaire and other Cajun Navy members said they can't understand why anybody would want to regulate them. How can you regulate people helping people? That doesn't make sense to me, he said. Perry wouldn't respond to media inquiries, but took to Facebook to defend himself. Let me just say this. I don't have time to listen to this video, and, and, I, and I don't want you to have to sit around while I'm listening to videos. But listen, this is the most absurd proposal I've heard in a while. He's an absurd person. He's a Republican, but he's absurd. Usually Republicans are the ones that, that want to, um, uh, let's see here. Amassed is my email server private. Yes. And it has seven levels of encryption. Um, that's a good question. I should tell you guys that I'm kind of security conscious. I don't know if you noticed. Um, so, so here's my thing, you know, today I am talking about, thank you to Bob, uh, Hartman for putting that out there to me. I really appreciate that. I love all the stuff, um, that people send me and the people post. Um, okay. So, so what happens? So, so, so what's happening here? Let's, let's unpack what's happening here. Now, this isn't even part of the show. So this is all free of charge, no cost or obligation to you. And you do not get a free set of Ginsu knives or a free public school education. Sorry, but I can't help you there. So what does this have to do with anything? Political correctness, uh, labels, divisions, titles, regulation. I should have made that part of the title, but I only have so many letters. Regulate, they're regulating us. And it's not just the left. It's also so-called alleged Republicans. What the heck, people? People out there helping save lives. My buddy Jerry points out, the Cajun Navy saved a lot of people that couldn't be reached in the first three days. Know what I mean, Vern? Remember that guy? I don't remember whatever happened to Vern. He's dead now. He died of cancer, but you know what I mean, Vern? You know, uh, it's just stupid. It's just utterly stupid. I'm going to say that a lot today. I'm already mad, and it's, what are we, 15 minutes into the show? Good lands. How does this happen? Anyway, uh, so I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is this, is, look, these people are running around saving lives, running around saving lives. This is what they're doing. These are incredible people. They're risking their lives to save lives. They're saving. They're not going to the government saying, hey, we, we want some money for saving, saving all these people. We want some money. We want some folks to give us some money. We out there saving lives. We need, we need some money. Somebody need to pay us. No, they never did. I don't even care what color they are. Somebody asked me just now, well, what are they predominantly? Why are they getting regulated? What if they were black people helping black people? Would the black people get regulated? Or would they be offered money? Hey, you did a great thing. We're going to give you money. It's not a white or black thing. I don't even, but, but you're right. I mean, in fairness, it's white folks in boats going around saving people. Nobody, nobody seems to care. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. You guys feeling me? I mean, you know, am I just, is it, is it just me? So what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? When stupid things happen like this, do you sit silently and go on the Facebook and, and talk about how stupid it is or pick up the phone, call that guy, call that guy's office, call, call all the way up the line and say, look, you call the, you know, call everybody. Send them letters. 
One letter, one handwritten or hand-typed letter and hand-signed letter equals 200 telephone calls. Did you know that? I told you that before. Don't say you don't know it. I told you before. You should be taking notes. This is, this is, a, this is a free education here. Not a free public education. No, it's private school. It's not for, not for everybody. All right, so the labels, titles, divisions, acronyms, all that stuff, they are divisive. They're, they're meant to be divisive. They're meant to be divisive. That's just reality, folks. We understand they're meant to be divisive. They're meant to separate us. Are, are you sick of these things? I mean, I would be. I'll tell you what else, too. This ought to matter to you. Our vernacular is not the only thing being co-opted and devalued. It's our currency. Money. Foden money. Foden money is being devalued. It's, it's being co-opted and devalued. And, and I'll tell you what else, too. Shameless plug. Speaking of devaluing our currency, financial collapse and how to protect yourself and your family, go to goldrushninja.com. Goldrushninja.com. There's a cool video there. It's not going to cost you anything. It's free of charge. It's a good education. How gold and regular people can buy gold. You don't have to be buying some giant amount of gold. Goldrushninja.com. Deal with it. It's not that hard. Not going to cost you anything. Nobody's going to hound you. Anyway, why do we? I'm going to ask you, why do we buy into this insidious and diabolical tool? And it's really the system of our oppressors. They like to use that word too, by the way. Oppressed. I'm oppressed. Everybody's oppressed. I'm oppressed by the people talking about their oppressors. I'm, it's oppressing. I'm tired of it. It's a diabolical tool. But what is the tool? It's not just the labels, titles, divisions, and acronyms. It's not just the co-opting of our vernacular and the devaluing of everything that we are, not just currency, but everything. Did you even know this was happening to you? Well, it is. It is happening to you. By the way, somebody's asked me, what is the show page, the specific show page on Blog Talk Radio? It's just www.blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor. Bada boom, bada bing, there you have it. All right, so my buddy from my buddy Jerry from Pennsylvania. By the way, prayers go out to my buddy Robert. Uh, if he's listening right now, we're praying for you. He just had major surgery yesterday, um, and uh, he's doing great. He's a tough, tough dude, retired police officer. Um, we have, we have done some stuff together. Good, good guy. Really, really good guy. And one of the coolest dudes I've ever met. He's, he's, he, but he had this major surgery yesterday and he's in recovery now and we're just praying for you. Also, uh, my brother, I won't say his name cause he's a real fiercely private person, but one of my brothers, uh, is in a little bit of a little bit of a pickle. And so, um, he's in the hospital right now. And so we'll be checking on him as soon as the show is over, but pray for him if you don't mind. Morals test. This is from Jerry from Pennsylvania. He sent this out. And I, I don't know if he wrote it, but I appreciate him. This is just awesome. People do this. And by the way, now I do love getting stuff from people. I already do uh, the apple cider vinegar. So there's no need to send me a thousand links on that. I already do it. I appreciate it. But, um, you know, I'm cool with that. I do a cap full about every, I don't know how many days that I remember. Uh, I don't remember every day. I only remember some days. So I'm probably not doing it enough. But, uh, you know, I love when people send me stuff and it's stuff I can use. Don't ever think that I can't use it. Uh, but try to check it out first, though, by the way. If you're sending me a link, don't don't let it. Don't 
this is just for general consumption. Uh, you know, rule, uh, standing order. This is in the military. This is standing order. Check your stuff out first. Go all the way to the bottom of the post. Make sure it's not a satire site. Now, what a satire site is, is where they make fun of and they say a bunch of lies, uh, real damaging lies about conservatives. And then at the bottom, they put that it's a satire site so that, you know, well, we're just making fun. It's just comedy. You know, you can say anything you want. But if it was if it was a white people making fun of black people or conservatives making fun of, of liberals, well, you can't do that. And even if you, there, there is no satire, we'll talk about that in a second. Maybe not a second. I don't want to lie. I want to be accurate here. So this is the morals test. Somebody just said, breathe, dude, you're fired up. I have not I have not partaken in coffee in the last I don't know how many hours. So if I was an alcoholic, I would get one of those little coins and you guys, hi, my name is Sean and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm three and a half hours clean and everybody would clap for me like I'm a hero. Anyway, not for nothing, but I'm not down, down with that. Okay. So this is the morals test from Jerry from Pennsylvania. Are you as moral as you think you are? This test only has one question, but it's a very important one. By giving an honest answer, you will discover where you stand. <laughs> Morally, I'm sorry. It's just cracking me up. The test features an unlikely, completely fictional situation in which you will have to make a decision. Only you will know the results. So remember that your answer needs to be honest. Now, here's the situation. You're in Florida, Miami, to be specific. There is chaos all around you caused by a hurricane with severe flooding. This, I mean, this is a flood of biblical proportions, similar to Louisiana. And what you are is a photojournalist. You're working for a major newspaper, not that they exist anymore. And you're caught in the middle of this epic disaster. And re really, this situation is nearly hopeless. And you're trying to, you know, you're concerned for everybody around you, but you're a photojournalist. So you're trying to make these career-making photos. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just pause here for a second. So one day, I'm all excited. I, I have this is little. I live on a golf course. I'm not rich. Don't don't get crazy. I live in a little townhouse, two bedroom townhouse. But I happen to live on the edge of this golf course, and so there's this little pond, and there's fish in the pond, and eagles, and osprey, and all kinds of other hawks and stuff come through. And and uh, well, so one time I'm really into eagles. I don't know if you know. Uh, so, what <laughs> I look out the window and there's this eagle zooming, uh, and he's going after these little ducks. And that are in the pond and there's ice on the pond and there's little holes. And so the ducks are in the part that's, that's not frozen. And so this Eagle's going, so I run in, I run in. Now this is, uh, this is before I had a digital single lens reflex DSLR camera. I didn't have a digital camera. Then I, I had just a regular film kind. So I run in, I grab my camera with the longest lens I have. I'm all excited. And I run out there, and I mean, I'm I'm shooting National Geographic photos. <laughs> I'm zooming through. I'm I'm buzzing through the battery, you know, and I and I can't believe it because I can see the images in the screen as I'm clicking away. I'm all excited. I come back in. I'm like, oh, these are going to be awesome. I love eagles, and I'm going to be able to post these, and people are just going to love these, and I'm finally going to be worth something. And so, uh, what ends up happening is I get in and I look. And guess what was not in the camera? Film. No film. Anyway, that's my sad story. I did not commit suicide over it. I did not need counseling. I did not need an IEP or anything like that in school. I didn't need special arrangements if I throw a tantrum. I didn't throw a tantrum. I was just like, mm, that's a bummer. 
really bad bummer. And my son was like, ah, oh, dad, man, dang, those are going to be awesome. Too bad. So anyway, so this guy's trying to shoot, cause this is his job. He's trying to shoot career making photos. Their houses all around him, houses and people are swirling around. I mean, they're disappearing under the water. Nature is unleashing all of its destructive fury. Now here's the test. You ready? But if you're ready, you're ready. I mean, I'm just trying to be fair to you, give you some time to take a breath. Suddenly you see a woman in the water and she's fighting for her life. She's trying not to be taken down with the debris. You get closer and you look and you're like, no way. Because you knew she looked a little bit familiar from far away, but suddenly you realize who it is. It's Hillary Clinton. She's in the water and she's swirling around and the raging waters, they're, they're just all around her. Uh, about the same time, you're like, oh man, this she's not going to survive. They're, these raging waters, they're going to take her under forever. They'll never find her. So now you have two options. You can save the life of Hillary Clinton or you can shoot a dramatic Pulitzer Prize winning photo, documenting the last minutes of one of the world's most powerful women hell-bent on the destruction of the United States. Now, here's the moral question. You ready? Now, you got to give an honest, honest answer. Would you, A, select high-contrast color film, or would you go with the simplicity of black and white? There's your, there you have it. There is your moral dilemma. Thank you, Jerry from Pennsylvania, for that moral dilemma. Anyway, political correctness. I've been banting, bannering, banning, banning, banning. I know what the word is. There's a word for it. I've been batting that word around, those two words around a little bit. Talk about it in my book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Um, and just, just FYI, by the way, um, somebody was asking me what my, what my, one of my doctoral dissertations was in, or what was it called? And Mediocrity, the Bane of Mastery in American Industry. I wrote, I wrote an actual dissertation on the effect of mediocrity on American industry. And I even talk about education system and all that stuff. So then the book was an outcropping of that. Anyway, so there you have it. So political correctness, objectively politically correct. It's commonly abbreviated to PC. Now, this is wiki. Uh, Wikipedia, I guess, is what it's called. It's a term that in modern usage is used to describe language policies or measures that are intended not to offend or disadvantage any particular group of people in society. In the media, the term is generally used as a pejorative. One of my favorite words, by the way, implying that these policies are excessive. The term in only scattered uses before the early 1990s, usually as an ironic self-description, but entered more mainstream usage in the United States. This kind of make me sick in my stomach to read this, I'm sorry to say. More mainstream usage in the United States when it was the subject of a series of articles in the New York Times. Well, there you have it. The phrase was widely used in the debate about Alan Bloom's uh, book, 19, it was 1987, The Closing of the American Mind, which is actually a good book, and gained further currency in response to Roger Kimball's tenured radicals and conservative author Dinesh D'Souza's Yes, Love Me Some Dinesh. He will be on the show. Uh, he's a cool dude. He's a really, really cool dude. When I tell you this guy is a warrior, he is just amazing. What he has been through at the hands of our government is is extraordinary. So his 1991 book, Illiberal Education, in which, by the way, you want to learn about what we're doing to people in the education system, buy my book first. That'll warm you up, kind of like stretching. And then, then go get the 1991 book, Illiberal Education. It'll blow your mind in which he condemned what he saw as liberal efforts to advance self-victimization, multiculturalism through language, remember co-opting of our vernacular, our vernacular are words that we say in our normal 
course of life and changes to the content of school and university curricula. Now here, you want to know what the, uh, what the bent of this little submission is. You'll, you'll get it right now. Commentators on the left have said that conservatives have pushed the term in order to divert. I'm sorry. Let me start over. Commentators on the left. Pause. Breathe, 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 breathe. Take a breath. Take a breath. Let that sink in. Commentators on the left have said that conservatives pushed the term in order to divert attention from more substantive matters of discrimination as part of a broader culture war against liberalism. <sighs> breathe it out. Breathe it out. Just let it go. You can't hold that in. You'll burp or even worse. Yeah, that's gassy. That makes you gassy to read that. Commentators on the left have said that conservatives pushed the term in order to divert attention from the more substantive matters of discrimination as part of a broader culture war against liberalism. Okay, so what that foo is saying, I should have done that in one of my little my little voices, shouldn't I? Uh, it's The moment has passed now. It's gone. I can't get that back. We'll lament it later. They also argue that conservatives have their own forms of political correctness, which are generally ignored by, conserv ignored by conservative commenters. Well, here's the thing. We'll take a little on, on uh, a little. It's, it's, it's an unscientific poll. This is what we call this all the time. This is an unscientific poll. You ready? Um, by the way, folks are saying that the sound is incredibly clear. clear your sound is incredibly queer today. Now, that's not PC for me to say, but if I were gay, I could say that because now that's the new thing. Did you know that? Queer is a new, like you can say that again. You can say queer again. Did you know that? Yeah, 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 you can. It's it's totally legit now. No, not if you're not gay. You can't say it if you're not. Come on, people. Follow me. Follow me. If you're not gay, if you're not black, you can't say the N-word. They say it 100 million times. If you are a black comedian, you can say it 100 million times, and you can make fun of white people. You can call white people cracker, honky. I don't know what the other words are. I don't know what the other words are for white people. But if you're black and you're a comedian, you can say those things, no problem. But if you are a white comedian, you cannot do that. It's the third rail of comedy. Can't do it. So they argue conservatives have their own forms of political correctness, which are generally ignored by conservative commenters. Well, there's only one problem with that. Political correctness is an absolute tool of the left, and it's a tool to have power uh, and control over us. And uh, it, makes us, it makes us have to say and do certain things. Uh, it, it becomes the social contract. Remember several weeks ago or a few weeks ago, I talked about the social contract. Right. I, I talked about that. And what is power, strength or force producing an effect? Then I talked about um, liberty and freedom, non-delegation, state government, confederation, outside game, captive citizens, inside game, all that stuff. But there, you're right. You're right. Someone in, in chat just said there's not much white comedians can say anymore. Libs have no sense of humor. Boy, isn't that true? How tragic is it? It's it's tragic. You know, comedy has totally changed. If you're a black comedian, you know what else too? If you're gay comedian, you can you can say anything you want because you're so heroic because you came out as gay. I don't I don't get that at all. Uh, I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's cooler to be gay than straight these days. 
I mean, it absolutely is. They talk about it's like a heroic move. You got the president calling you, bringing you to the White House. It's not, you know, anyway, moving on. Hey, listen, I want you to listen to this uh, really, really quick. I talk about uh, second call defense all the time. I want you to listen to this and um, and I want you to maybe I want you to maybe write the number down or even better than that, you what you can do is you can um, just go to my website, go to the bottom. I won't go to commercial. I'm not going to go to commercial. You, you know to do this. Go to my website, go to the bottom, second call defense. Uh, there's a banner right at the bottom of, of my website, theninjapastor.com, drshawngreener.com. Go to that, click on that sucker. That will take you right there. Nobody's going to force you to do anything, but you need to have it. I'm telling you right now, I would not be without second call defense protection. There's no way. There's another company out there, I think USCCA, something or other, CCCA or whatever. Um, good enough people. They're good enough people. Their program doesn't compare. It's not in the same league. It's not in the same league. Sean Maloney is an attorney, a second, second amendment specialist, uh, a, 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 um, deadly force specialist. And that's what he does. And he has created a network of people who I got to be honest with you, some of the best people ever, uh, ever, ever, ever. And they are phenomenal. And you just, you just can't compete with them. You cannot compete with them. If you're in a pickle, they're the people to call. There's coverages that everybody can afford. Look, there's there's no reason for you to not have this protection. I'll never be without it. Even if you don't carry a gun, there's no, look, if you don't carry a gun, but you have a gun uh, next to your bed or in a little case or up in your closet, whatever, you have it in the safe, whatever, and you have a gun, I'm telling you right now, you need this protection. And it's cheap. It's cheap. It's it's silly to not have it. It's silly to not have it. And by the way, everything at Second Call Defense is front pay. They pay you. You do not have to come out of pocket for anything. They pay you first. Why is it called Second Call Defense? Somebody asked me that. Second Call Defense is called Second Call Defense because the first call uh, you make is to the police. The second call, and you hang up on the police, the second call you make, they'll tell you you have to stay on the line. Remember this. We're going to teach you everything you need to do and say. In fact, the the really beautiful laminated card you're going to get from Second Call Defense will have on the back exactly what to do. You go nowhere without this card. So uh, you read off of that verbatim. You say nothing else. We teach you in free videos we send you. um, And then there's a whole learning thing. You go right to that learning center, all free. And there'll be videos. And you just walk through the videos. And there's also audios, MB3s, all that stuff you can download. It's really freaking incredible. I'm not kidding you. It's a great, great plan. Tells you what to do. Tells you how to how to protect yourself. But one thing I'll tell you right now, when you dial 911, the second your finger hits that second one, you are being recorded. And you think that if you kind of put your hand over the phone that you can't be heard, wrong answer. It's an enhanced listening system. The second your finger hits that second one, 911 recording. And when you, you don't, you say only what's on that card, and then you hang up. The second call you make is to the number in bold on the front of that card, second call defense. And I'm telling you, they will help you 24 hours a day, no matter where you are, no matter where you are. You got that? Cool with that? Where can you find it? Somebody just sends me a message. You can find it on my website at the bottom. Second call defense banner, theninjapastor.com. You go to the bottom. There's a big banner there. Click on that sucker. It takes you right to where you need to go. You'll be good to go. Anyway, there you have it.
So political correctness goes to war on American history. This guy named Jacob, Jacob Heilbrunn, and this is, this is over a year ago he writes this article, November 24th, uh, 2015. George Orwell once remarked that Stalin's Soviet Union was a place yesterday's weather could be changed by decree. You guys get that, right? So if, if, uh, if you have enough power and enough control, enough control, really, if you have enough control and if the people submit to it, you can, you can in a totalitarian environment, you can say, oh, no, it didn't rain yesterday, even though there's puddles everywhere. Oh, no, it didn't snow yesterday, even though there's eight feet of snow everywhere. Um, no, it didn't do that. In fact, it was sunny and lovely. Well, you may be shivering still from the snow and, and you may still be shoveling from the snow, but they're telling you, no, the sun was out, it was sunshiny, no snow fell. So this is what he's telling you here. America, it seems, is not wholly immune to this totalitarian impulse either. Boy, isn't he right. It is increasingly, it increasingly manifests itself in political correctness, a phenomenon that is flourishing at elite American universities. Make no mistake, the authoritarian implications of this movement, as John Chait points out in New York Magazine, should not be poo-pooed. I like where he says that. Poo-pooed. Is that Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> I don't know. Christopher Robin. Anyway, quite the contrary. The tribunes of political correctness, Chait notes, are carrying out the ideals of a movement that regards the delegitimization of dissent as a first-order goal. Now, let me stop there. Now, who, who are the ones that do the lion's share of delegitimizing, yeah, whatever, that word, delegitimizing of dissent. Who are those people? Say it with me, liberals. I know it was on the tip of your tongue. I know that you knew it, but I just, it's only a two-hour show and I had to say it. Delegitimization of dissent as a first-order goal. The New York Times is thus featuring a story on a plot against Woodrow Wilson, or to put it more precisely, the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs, a student group called the Black Justice League, BJL. <laughs> uh -huh. The Black Justice, some of the comments I cannot repeat. Uh, by the way, welcome to all of our military members, active and retired, or uh, our veterans. Thank you for serving. Also, thank you to our Gold Star families. Um, thank you is never enough. And I want you to know this show will never, ever forget your sacrifice. We will never, ever let up on uh, the government and that we as a people should do what we need to do. And if the government doesn't do it, if we can't force them to do it, then we'll do it ourselves, as has been the case. So the Black Justice League, BJL, this is a student group, by the way, because students are so smart. Don't you love how... Kids get into college and suddenly they're so smart. We want justice. We want this. We want that. Oh, you know, underserved. And they learn all these words and they just keep repeating them, right? And then they co-opt the vernacular as their brain is being turned to mush. Meanwhile, their parents are paying, you know, $58,000, $60,000 a year to send them, probably more than that, Princeton University, which Wilson molded in his image first as professor. Then, as the school's president acknowledged the racist legacy of Woodrow Wilson and moved to strip his name from both the public policy school and the residential college. For good measure, these students, I'm sorry, these, I don't want to call them the wrong name, these student radicals want Princeton to institute courses on the history of marginalized peoples, as well as the cultural, uh, what they recommend as cultural competency training. Now, 
Let's take a pause there for a little bit of agua. For my non-Espanol-speaking uh, audience, that is water. It's Spanish. It is a Spanish. Anyway, that's that's water, agua. Anyway, uh, so anyway, well, Wilson, this is what this is what look this is what blows my mind, right? So these BJL people, these BJL people. Hold on, I got a cough. These BJL people, you back? Did you come back or did you just leave? No, you're here. Um, these BJL people, <clears throat> smart as they are, of course, because they're college students. Who could be smarter? Princeton college students. So as soon as you get there, you're smart as a whip. Now, who are they going after? Let's go back to the article. Well, Wilson, a pro great progressive hero, i.e. liberal, one of the worst human beings on the planet. Woodrow, yeah, yeah. Do some research on Woodrow Wilson. Maybe I'll do a whole show on him. Literally one of the worst human beings ever to walk the planet. Hardcore racist, by the way. Great progressive hero, the would-be spreader of democracy and freedom around the globe, was indeed a racist. <laughs> a nasty disposition that he happened to share with a number of his contemporaries. In Wilson's case, he imbibed much of his worldview from his father, the Reverend Joseph Ruggles Wilson, a Southern Democrat. What? No, say it ain't so. A Democrat? No, hold on. I, I, this can't be right. This cannot be right. No, it is impossible. It's impossible. It cannot be right. Reverend Joseph Ruggles Wilson, a Southern Democrat. Yeah, it's right in black and white here. Oh, I'm sorry. It's right, it's right in, what do I say for black? If I'm talking about ink, what do I say? I don't want to offend anybody. I can't say dark. Somebody just said, say dark. I can't say dark. It's a violation too. Non-white. There we have it. Non-white. Reverend Joseph Ruggles Wilson, a Southern Democrat, right in non-white, who staunchly defended slavery on biblical grounds. One of his sermons, the great historian Arthur S. Link wrote, I quote him in my book, by the way, was so fervid in defense of that institution that his congregation ordered it printed. For the father, the son, W. Barksdale Maynard notes in his superb biography of Woodrow Wilson, was supposed to be a Southern hero who would redeem America. A rhetoric of national salvation would run through much of Wilson's life, along with a note of triumph, conquest, and even a little revenge. At the same time, Link is careful to note that Woodrow Wilson's attitudes were in advance of some of his Southern coevals. As early as 1881, we find Wilson writing hopefully about the development of a class of sturdy, now I'm quoting here, don't get mad at me, independent Negro landowners in the South, advocating compulsory education for Negroes. Again, don't get mad at me. That is what he said. I am quoting him. Who did not want to go to school and applauding independent Negro. Again, I'm just reading political action. As President Wilson, who viewed blacks, again, just reading, as an ignorant and inferior race, those are in quotes, he said it, not me, reinstituted, reinstituted the segregation of the federal workforce, a shameful mark on his record that has frequently been written about. So, yeah. So the kid gets raised by a Southern Democrat preacher. And that guy's fiercely racist, right? His dad's fiercely racist. And so is Wilson. So what's he do? He segregates the federal workforce, which, by the way, he resegregated it, which means it it uh, it was 
you know, they were all together. It was all together. So he resegregates it. This is what this is what's nuts, folks. He resegregates it. It it was it was good to go. I mean, they were they were everybody's together. Everybody's working together, including the military. So he re, he says, "Hey, this isn't good. You know, blacks are an ignorant and inferior race. So we're going to resegregate everything." So Wilson had, as is the case with not a few famous historical leaders, conspicuous shortcomings: a reluctant to compromise, grand divisions without the means to implement them. A curt temper, I like that word, curt, and not least a, uh, and not the least, a belief in the innate racial superiority of whites. But what does it really mean to try and tar him for not having adhered to enlightened 21st century standards? Where will the impulse to purge the past of its sins end? Should Washington, D.C., named after a slave owner? Adopt a new title. Should the Jefferson Memorial be torn down? Or what about the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars or the Wilson Research Fellowship that Johns Hopkins University, where Wilson taught for years, bestows upon promising undergrads? As L. Gordon Krovich observes in the Wall Street Journal, there are a bevy of malefactors from the past that young students can try to hunt down. Elihu Yale, Elihu Yale made his fortune as a British East India Company imperialist. He exploited Chinese laborers, built Leland Stanford's transcontinental railway, James Duke peddled tobacco, and so on. It's a game of trivial pursuit with real consequences for the intellectual climate on campus. No longer do students attempt to divine why the leading lights of a different era thought as they did to attempt to put them in a broader context. Looking at Wilson as a racist, pure and simple, is rather reductionist, although he was a fierce racist. Racist, no offense. It tells you something about him, but hardly everything, nor this, nor is this all. The push for political correctness has a chilling implication for current debate, which is something that the contemporary myrmidons of virtue are in, uninterested about. The idea seems to be that their young minds should be kept unsullied from the wider world. They want to be protected from subversive sentiments, coddled, cosseted, rather than exposed to contrary ideas. Here are the safe spaces and concerns about microaggressions. Some institutions are fighting back. The University of Chicago issued a report in January that stated it is not the proper role of the university to attempt to shield individuals and ideas from opinions they find unwelcome, and opinions they find unwelcome, disagreeable, or even deeply offensive. No, it isn't. Will Princeton's President Christopher Eisgruber, that's his name, Christopher Eisgruber, E-I-S-G-R-U-B-E-R, Christopher Eisgruber, he's the Princeton uh, University president, act in that spirit as well as he confronts the demands of student activists, or will he simply capitulate, preparing the ground for a fresh demand to expunge his institution's past? Watch this man. Well, what do you think? What do you think? Should we, should... Look, where will this impulse to purge the past of sins? That's a question posed. Should we rename Washington, D.C.? Hey, we've renamed the uh, the Washington Redskins pretty much. Nobody will say the name because that's offensive to somebody. Should we just uh, change the Jefferson Memorial? Should we tear it down? What should we do? Well, you know, I'm not the only one talking about political correctness here. I mean, this is this is this is not new ground, right? It's not new ground. So I'm going to lay some stuff on you and, and I'll give you some quotes and and see what you have to say. I don't know. 
say what you want to say. Say what you want to say. I don't even know the rest of the song. I don't know those. I don't even know what it stands for. I got a feeling about political correctness. I hate it. It causes us to lie silently instead of saying what we think. That's Hal Holbrook right there. I got a feeling about political correctness. I hate it. It causes us to lie silently instead of saying what we think. Mm, let that simmer. Hate feeling political. I am absolutely opposed to political correctness. You cannot confront hate speech until you've experienced it. You need to hear every side of the issue instead of just one. That's Jane Elliott. Hate political speech. The social disease of political correctness has entered daily life. Inverting good to bad and attempting to rewrite proud histories as an imposition of white supremacy for, for which we all should make contribution. That's Robert Augustinelli. Life. Good. Daily. Look, we're, we're led to believe everybody opposes it and disagrees with political correctness, but yet everybody's scared to death of it. So who is it? Well, it's the power structure, wherever you happen to be. Let me go back a little bit. I want you to think about this quote. It's, it's, it's pretty powerful. Life. Every day, we, we live life. We live life. We go through life. Stuff happens. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. Some, some turns out great. Some turns out bad. Sometimes we have to make choices we don't like. Right? We have to make choices we don't like. We, we, we are sometimes in situations where the people there don't like us very much. They don't like us. They don't, they don't want us to do anything at all because they don't like us. They don't like how we think. They don't like what we do. They don't like how we do it. So we're led to believe everybody opposes it, political correctness, and disagrees with political correctness. Yet everybody's scared to death of it. So who is it? Who's in, it's the power structure. It's people that have control. I'll, I'll disagree. This is a Rush Limbaugh quote. I'll disagree a little bit with Rush, which is a rarity. He's a super smart guy. I'll disagree with him on this point. It's not, it's not power who has the power. It's who has the control. We seed. Our power comes from God. It's inalienable. It comes from God. It's the power structure, wherever you have to be. I would say it's the control structure. And the only way you give up control is you give it up. So in all these places we go, right? You know, we're in, let's, I'm not picking on the public school system, but it's, it's really at the root of a lot of the problems. Public school system says, oh, the reason why uh, poor kids or, or, or underserved kids or whatever, uh, minority children, the reason why black kids are killing black kids is because the public education system has failed them. Well, that means we need more time and we need more money. Yeah, we need more time. We need more money. And then when they come to school, guess what we have to do? It's not about why they're threatening people or they're laying on the ground screaming and hollering or threatening to kill their white school teacher. No, you can't do anything about that. No, they're just afraid. They're, they're, they've been oppressed. They've been underserved. They've been marginalized. But you got to find out why are you mad, Daquan? Why are you mad? Shaniqua, well, why are you mad? Let's talk about that. Let's give you a colored little, uh, oh, sorry, I used the term colored, uh, different color, I don't know, whatever, uh, clothespin, whatever. And it, depending on what the color is, if you're, if it's color enhanced, that's what it is. So if you have a color enhanced clothespin, we'll clip that on you for how you're feeling. So, or maybe we let you do it yourself. If you're mad, put on red. Stay away from me. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Don't make me do anything. 
Right nowadays, we have this policy in public uh, education, even in, as far as the middle schools. Uh, if you are misbehaving, guess what we're going to try to do? We're going to send you over to the class across the hall because maybe a change of venue will help you. Maybe it's just the people you're around right now that are just ticking you off. We'll just send you over there. So who says this is okay? Who says this is right? Well, it's the left. The left is total control over the education system. And you know why? Because we as a people have abdicated a word I love as well. We've abdicated. We've said, hey, you know what? We're not going to, in any way, shape, or form, we are not going to push back. We're, we're, we're going to push in. Okay, that's a term too. We're going to push in. I'm going to push into your class. So, right? So we're going to all work together. We're all going to learn these little acronyms. We're going to learn these things. We're going to learn all these little crazy little just stupid sayings and stuff that's dumb. And we're going to move the kid who's raising a ruckus in class and said, hey, you straighten your behind up or you're going to the office. We can't send them to the office anymore. There's like 900 steps before we do that because we can't take off the parents who never make it to the uh, to this parent-teacher uh, conferences, which, by the way, sometimes get scheduled literally in the afternoon before. Yeah, that's right. You heard me right. Literally the afternoon before the conferences are, why can't we get any parents here? Why not? I understand. Well, they just don't care. But then you schedule something literally the day before, not even 24 hours. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So what happens in this power structure? We seed it. We say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be quiet about it. I'm just going to be quiet about it. I'm not going to say anything. I'll just learn the lingo. I just go along to get along. You know what? I'm around a lot of teachers, and I know a lot of public school teachers very close. And I know a lot of people who are great teachers, and they care about kids and all that stuff. But they have thrown up their hands. They said, look, I'm going to do the best I can. There's only so much I can do because you know what? I'm up against a system that doesn't care. You want to know why the teachers' unions are so powerful? Uh, because, because the administration and the parents have abandoned them. Now, am I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would say that they've totally abandoned them. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that. But the administration is, they've come up, right? They've come up through it. They've, they've gotten all their education. They've done all these different things. And they are, somehow or another, they just, they've progressed, right? They've gotten us to pay for their master's degree, and they've gotten us to pay for their doctorates. And now they're in control, and they love to tell people, um, you know, well, this is the smart thing to do. So one of the things they say is instead of saying, hey, you know what? You have to just send the kid over to, just talk to the kid first. Hey, what are you angry about? What's got you upset? Meanwhile, 70, 80% of the kids are on pills that the government shoves down their throat because they say, hey, you have ADHD. Not, hey, maybe you should cut back on the sodas at home. Hey, maybe you should feed your kid healthy food and get them outside instead of staring at a computer screen or a, or a mobile device. They're so poor, but they have all this stuff. Get them outside. Get them playing. Do some stuff. Get out some energy. But we're going to do away with recess. We can't have recess. No. We're too busy indoctrinating them on how to be, you know, social, I don't even know what you call it anymore. So we allow that. So we send the kid. This is part of what we do. We say, hey, if the kid's acting out, because we don't say being a, a jerk in school or misbehaving, um, yeah, we want to be compassionate. We want to be, 
We, we want to have just undesignated compassion. We want to be compassionate to everybody, no matter what they do. So what we're going to do, and that's, that's official. That's, that's an official thing, by the way. I didn't just throw that out. That just didn't come out of my, you know, my left armpit. It literally is an official title, undesignated compassion. So it's a designation. So, so what we're going to do is we are going to send them across the hall. Now, everything at, at our class across the hall, which, by the way, is not the same class we're teaching. It's a different class, different teacher, different class, different students. And we're going to send you across the hall. We're going to say, hey, maybe you should spend 15 minutes over there. Maybe a change of venue would be good. We can't make kids stand in the corner. We, we can't do that anymore. We can't say, look, you're going to keep acting up. You're going to go. We're going to put you in solitary confinement. You can't act right around people. Then, oh, well. This is literal, folks. This I'm not making this up. This is fact. I have fact-checked this. This is the real deal. And many of the teachers in this system came in. They bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. They had hopes. They wanted to do all these good things. And they say, I'm going to go in and I'm going to help these kids. But political correctness. Political, and my buddy Jerry puts it this way. Ultimately, liberals must hide behind disinformation and the misdirection of political correctness because it is the enemy of truth. It's absolutely true. And public school systems are a harbinger for that disinformation. They are a harbinger to misdirect truth into political correctness. Death, power, political, I think you have to judge everything based on your personal taste. And if that means being critical, so be it. I hate political correctness. I absolutely loathe it. Give you two guesses. Guess who said that? America's Got Talent, super wealthy man. He's a judge. He's really a, a small guy. I never realized he was as small as he was. But Simon Cowell, everybody loves to hate Simon Cowell. They say, oh, he's mean. He's mean to people. You're talking about you're talking about a million dollar contract here, and we're gonna we're gonna bump people along because they're nice, they're sweet. They do a terrible job, and they're never gonna fill a Vegas venue. Come on! And if the people think they're a great singer, but they but they're not, I talk about this in sermons sometimes. I say, look, sometimes people get up there and they sing, and they can't sing a lick. They're awful. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. But they say, Lord gave me this song. No, the Lord gave you something to write. He didn't want you to sing it. He wanted you to write it. You know, send it to a friend, write a card, move chairs, vacuum, make a, make pies. Don't sing. It's not for everybody. Somebody needs to sometimes tell people, no, this is not for you. You are not a singer. God bless you. Love you. You're not a singer. Okay. Personally, I believe that political correctness can be a form of linguistic fascism, and it sends shivers down the spine of my generation who went to war against fascism. That's P.D. James. War and political. We're talking about war and political here, hate political. And he's saying this is what sent them to war against fascism. Political correctness doesn't change us. Shuts us up. Glenn Beck said that. Political correctness doesn't change us. It shuts us up. Change, political, all that stuff. I think the big problem in this country is being politically correct. I've been challenged by so many people, and I don't frankly have the time for total political correctness. And to be honest with you, this country doesn't have time either. Two guesses who said that. The guy people love to hate, Donald J. Trump. Now, I'm not a trumpet. I'm not a trumpet. I'm not, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a Kool-Aid drinker, but the man is our candidate, and Hillary. Hillary is one of the worst human beings ever to walk this planet. Yes, I said it. Hillary should go to jail for the rest of her natural life, which we can hope is mercifully short. 
Feeding her is a waste of money. She's a criminal. She's a murderer. The Clinton enterprise is a murder enterprise. It is a criminal enterprise. That's a fact. And Donald J. Trump, has, he has the cojones to say, I think the big problem this country has, big problem in this country that this country has is being politically correct. I've been challenged by so many people. I don't frankly have time for total political correctness. And to be honest with you, this country doesn't have time either. Boy, isn't he right? We're out of time, folks. We're out of time. We're out of time, but we keep acting like we have all the time in the world. We're out of time, but we keep bringing in people who want to kill us. We know they want to kill us because that's their ideology, the religious, political, and military ideology of Islam. We know they want to kill us. We know they rape our women. We know they rape each other. We know as if this is a defense. I love hearing this when they tell me this. Well, uh, you can't say that we as uh, non-Muslims are the target of Muslim radical Islam because uh, they kill more Muslims than they do us. I don't care. I don't care if the Muslims subscribe to an ideology where they can be killed, thrown off a roof, uh, buried up to their neck and stoned, burned in acid, put in uh, boiling vats, set on fire. The women can be raped by a hundred men and then they stone them because she's defiled. Gays can be thrown off a roof just because they think they're gay. The gayest, the gayest air quotes religion, the gayest group of people are Muslims, secretly so. But they throw people off the roof. And and Hillary Clinton wants to bring more of those folks here to your backyard. And you know what's going to happen when they get here? They're going to sue. It's a religious, political, military ideology. They're going to sue just like they are in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yes, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They are suing you, the American people. They're saying, hey, the school that you send us to isn't good enough. It's junk, and we're getting a bad education, and we deserve a better education. A, not citizens. B, barely speak the language. C, have been nothing but trouble all along, and most of them cannot read. But now they want you to pay through a lawsuit. My friendships and relationships in the conservative world are not predicated on political correctness and enforced conformity of thought. They are based instead on mutual respect, honesty, and understanding, concepts many modern liberals should consider revisiting. Tammy Bruce said that. I really like what she has to say. She's a neat lady. I might have her on the show. Listen to me. Listen to me, folks. Listen to me. You are engaging in political correctness. You are engaging in censorship. When if you have a Facebook page and you don't like that somebody is saying, look, you know, Ted Cruz lost, Donald Trump won, don't like how he won, but he won, he's our nominee, and now we've got to move on and recognize that this is real. And Hillary Clinton wins. If we don't get Donald Trump elected, Hillary Clinton, you can say all you want about all that other crap. Uh, now's the time. And I love lots of people who, who are simply not going to vote for Donald Trump. They're going to vote third party, whatever. I, I respect you for doing what you feel is right. I strenuously disagree, strenuously disagree. But the fact of the matter is when you isolate yourself in a vacuum and the first thing that somebody says, like I heard somebody the other day, well, that's it. I'm done with Rush. I'm done with Rush Limbaugh. That's it. He's been going left, farther and farther left for I don't know how long. I'm done with him. 
You've got, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me, folks. Russia is the centerpiece of conservatism. Russia is the only thing that has kept us. People, you got to understand this. You got to understand this. This is what you've got to understand, my friends. You, because you, you disagree with one thing the guy says, you got that we're done. We're done with him. It's, it's, it's a fool's errand. You go doing that, you're, you're going to hurt yourself because 99.999% of what Rush says is point blank on point, straight up truth and genius. But you're going to get rid of them because you, you don't like the one thing. The one thing. That he says. You don't like it. So you're like, well, oh, well, Jingle Bells. He gone. David Harsanyi, Harsanyi says this, respect, honesty, political correctness is one of the engines of nannyism. Allowing and even encouraging offensive ideas is vital for the intellectual health of a free society. People walking off the view when Bill O'Reilly makes a statement about radical Islam or Juan Williams being fired for expressing his opinion or overreaching political correctness is chipping away at the fundamental American freedoms of speech and expression. Eric Kenner, Kenner said that. Not a big fan of his, but whatever. But this is the amazing thing, folks. Somehow or another, we have a society that says, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to walk off the view when Bill O'Reilly's on there. He makes a statement of radical Islam, which is true. Or Juan Williams gets fired from NPR. Listen, the day Juan Williams gets fired for being uh, too conservative from anywhere, you know that NPR is so crazy radical left that why do you even listen? Political correctness does not legislate tolerance. It only organizes hatred. Jacques Barzun says this. Political correctness is about denial. Man, that's strong right here. Political correctness is about denial, usually in the weasel circumlocutory jargon, circumlocutory jargon, which distorts and evades and seldom stands up to honest analysis. George MacDonald Frazier. Political correctness is an exploitable, is as exploitable as any other progressive ideal, but its aim is to stifle the incessant noise of those who flap their careless lips without a thought about who they might who they might offend and why that might be important. Marcus Brigstoke. The critical importance of honest journalism and a free-flowing, respectful national conversation needs to be had in our country, but it is being buried as collateral damage in a war whose battles include political correctness and ideo ideological orthodoxy. Juan Williams said that. Now this guy loses his job because he's too he's too far he's too far right. You, now you know none of us would ever look at Juan Williams and go, you know that guy's too far right. In fairness, none of us would look at him and go, he's too far anywhere. The guy is the guy is a loon. Now, he's a nice guy. Everybody I know that has met him and spent any time with him says, guy's a super nice guy. They don't, they don't dislike this guy at all. 
I am politically correct. That's true. Political correctness to me is just intellectual terrorism. I find that really scary and I won't be intimidated into changing my mind. Everyone isn't going to love you all the time. Now, who said this? A guy who took a beating. He took a total beating. Took a total beating. Uh, now, did he deserve some of it? Yeah. Some of it he did. Come on. You, you're, you're that big of a profile guy. You, ha you have to, you have to be, you, you have to be mindful. Look, I'm not a, I am not a, uh, I'm by no means a public figure necessarily. I'm not a celebrity by any stretch. I'm not, I'm not. But the fact of the matter is you got to be careful about what you say a little bit. And the dude had, had a serious drinking problem. God bless him. Uh, has done amazing things, really, really amazing things. But unfortunately, this guy is, God bless him. God bless him. You know, guy had a hard way to go, folks, a really hard way to go. And he had no help. He had no help. Everybody abandoned the guy. You know, it's just not right. But he says it clearly. I won't be intimidated into changing my mind. Everybody isn't going to love you all the time. Listen, I want to be clear to you right now. I, I want to help you understand something that you probably already understand, but maybe from my perspective, it might be somewhat helpful. Look, I say things that there are a whole, a whole group of people that just can't stand. They can't stand it. They don't like what I have to say. They don't like any part of what I have to say. And you know what? That's okay. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree. I am not crushed that you don't agree with me. And you know what? I've had conversations with people. I've had conversations with people where I went into the conversation believing one thing. And then after they taught me and they said, hey, this is, here's where you can find more information on this. And it, and I checked out the resources and the, and all their information. And I said, you know what? I've been thinking wrong on this. So I, so I just, you know, what I do is I say, you know what? I was, I was, I've been educated. Someone took the time to share information with me. I've evaluated that information and I've decided that I was wrong on this point. You know, uh, the last candidate for president running against, um, uh, you know, Mormon guy, you know, a lot of Christians didn't want to vote for a Mormon which was stupid. The most reliable bunch of people on the planet are Mormons. They have the lowest divorce rate. They have the highest uh, dedication. The number one recruit in the CIA and FBI, say it with me, Mormons. So we have a Mormon guy, successful businessman. Every area of this guy's life, he's, he is extraordinary. Are you, are you feeling me here? This is, this is a good guy. This is a good, smart guy. Everything he's ever done, he's done a phenomenal job on, but we conservatives didn't want to vote for the guy because he's a Mormon. We also didn't want to vote for him because we say, hey, we need a fighter in there. Man, that one debate, you really went after uh, Barack Hussein Obama, but then you backed off, you backpedaled. People started saying bad things about you and you backed off. Come on, Mitt Romney, get in the fight. Yet Donald J. Trump gets in there and eviscerates, eviscerates his opponents. And we don't like it. That's too mean. I'm going to go to my faith faith. Look, I don't like a lot of the stuff he says, but much of what he says is 100% true.
Let's get real, folks. Let's talk about religion. Are your kids learning the right lessons about 9-11? Ten years after Osama bin Laden's henchmen murdered thousands of innocent Americans on American soil, too many children have been spoon-fed the thin gruel of progressive political correctness over the stiff antidote of truth. Michelle Malkin said that. It's not even 10 years. This was a quote older than 10 years, more than 10 years. We said we would never forget, folks, but political correctness tells us, no, no. How about Freedom Tower, the top of the Freedom Tower? How many people, how many people know that the Freedom Tower, excruciating, excruciatingly, has Muslim and symbols of Islam throughout it, including the very top? How many of you knew that? Google it, Freedom Tower. Islamic symbolism on the Freedom Tower. Google it. Look, we, we never thought, we never thought we would be in this position where we have to remind kids about 9-11, what happened on 9-11. You know, it, is it the Muslims' fault? No. No, it's not. No, it is not. Meanwhile, Europe has taken over. They invited all the Muslims there because we want to be politically correct. We invite them in, and guess what? They're killing them. They're raping them. They're taking over. Political correctness? Don Rickles said this, God bless him. In my humor, I never talk about politics. I was never much into all that. Quite frankly, I think political correctness is the worst form of censorship. You're not allowed to speak your mind unless you're black or unless you're a terrorist or unless you're an Arab or a minority people. Then you can say whatever you like. But if you're like a lot of us, you're not supposed to say certain things. Wilbur Smith said that. Let's face it, every campus has its share of students who can't quite comprehend that extreme political correctness is often born of the same intolerance and anti-intellectualism as standard-issue bigotry. Megan Dom said that. You understand, you understand, folks, do you understand that this is what they, political correctness, what they're saying is politically correct is really intolerance. It's anti-intellectual, intellectual. It's bigotry. So you look at it and you say, and I said at the top of the show, I said, I said this simple thing. I said, listen, folks, we, we are becoming a crumbling nation of numbers, labels, titles, divisions, acronyms of obscurity. They're divisive. They're meaningless. They still allow, we're, we're sitting here allowing our vernacular every day to be co-opted and devalued. We're doing it. We're standing for it. I don't know why. Why in the world are we doing it? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Because Lars von Trier says being politically correct kills discussion. When you talk about political correctness, you crush discussion. It's this upside-down world that we live in where we afford political correctness to the most intolerant group of individuals on the planet. Vince Flynn, God rest his soul. We're, we're, you know what we do? It's the Black Lives Matter, folks. We stand here and we say, hey, you know what? We're going to give you your safe space. We're going to give you your safe space. We're going to... What we're going to do is we're going to give you your safe space. We're, we want you to feel comfortable because you're angry. You have a right to be angry. And you know what? Why not? If you're angry, so be it. God bless you. God bless your heart. So what happens? Presidential candidate 
what's the guy's name? The old dude, 74 year old guy, suddenly rich, uh, socialist. Oh, feel the burn. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is trying to give a speech. They pay for a venue. They get the permits to do all this stuff. What happens is two women, two Black Lives Matter women, stand up and they push them out of the way. And none of the white people go, get out of here. They never, they don't drag them off. They don't go, get out of here. Fool, we paid for the space and for this time. You ain't. And she says, we're going to take over. We're going to shut you down. You're going to let us talk or we're going to shut you down. So what does the man do? He backs up. What they needed is somebody to grab a hold of their weaves and toss them off the stage. And, and, and waiting at the bottom of the stage, once they take their little fall, are a pair of silver bracelets, handcuff them, take them off to prison. But political correctness, no, we're going to step back. We're going to let them have their talk. The most intolerant bunch of people on the planet are using political correctness to their advantage. Islam is doing it. Black Lives Matters are doing it. The left is doing it. Peter Thiel says the core problem in our society is political correctness. There's a term called political correctness, and I consider it to be a euphemism for political cowardice. Milos Zeman. I think political correctness is crap, Gary Oldman. A lot of people are bored of all the political correctness. Clint Eastwood. Artie Lang, you know, he's a comedian. You may not like his comedy. He's, he's buddies with um, Howard Stern. I've met Howard Stern on several occasions. A nicer guy you'd never want to meet. I don't like his crude uh, stuff he does on his show, but one-on-one, personally, the dude is such a nice and respectful man. Very talented. Um, I look to his interview style as somebody who, quite frankly, is a master of interviews. He interviews people in a way that they say stuff on his show, say stuff when he's interviewing them, they would never say anywhere else. And he gets them to do it. And you get information that's just, it's pertinent in the context of, of that person and, and what they're discussing. What, and this is what Artie Lang said. Artie Lang was one of his writers and good friends. He's a comedian. When political correctness first started coming around, it ruined Andrew Dice Clay, the Dice Man, and Eddie Murphy's stand-up career. Sam Kinison, um, there's a, there was a, a Washington, D.C., um, what was his name? He was uh, not the Dice Man. There was another name for him. In Washington, D.C., he, was he was a DJ, and he had a show. He had a show on, and um, I can't remember what his name is. It's driving me crazy. Uh, he would he would he was always a motorboat guy, blada 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 blada, and and he always joked around that he was one of the uh, YMCA guys, the the guys that sang the YMCA. He was like the construction worker, his grotesquely overdeveloped body. I just can't remember that guy's name. I used to listen to him all the time. I have a little bit of a brain injury, so I'm not going to feel too bad. But that guy got drummed out of business. He got drummed out of business. He was one of the funniest shows. I used to listen to him in the evening on the on the regular radio. And I'm telling you, the dude was hilarious. And he picked on everybody. But he would do different little skits and all this stuff. And oh, was just, he was just hilarious. I can't remember. It was something man, uh, his nickname was. Anyway. But Andrew Dice Clay and Eddie Murphy ruined, political correctness ruined their careers. And Sam Kinison, you guys remember Sam Kinison? Yeah, gross guy. He had a lot of problems. He died of drug and alcohol overdose, whatever. Um, But you can't argue with he was a master of comedy. He died at just the right time. This is what Artie Lang is saying, because no one was going to tolerate what he was saying anymore either. 
Phyllis Schaap, you know, I've used a lot of, of people who you would never call conservative, but how about, let's say, the cornerstone of political correctness that dominates campus cultural is, culture is radical feminism. That's Phyllis Schlafly said that. Anthony J. D'Angelo says, transcend political correctness and strive for human righteousness. John Voigt, I've tried to get him on the show uh, several times, and, and he's tough to, that guy's a busy man. That guy's, you know, he's, he's a lot older than you think. He's a lot older than you think. And he is, man, oh man, is he, he's a really neat guy. I really want to, I really want to have him on the show. He's, he's a super, super cool guy. So anyway, John Voigt says this, this lie of political correctness is bringing this country down. You just want to break through it all. Now, let me say this about that. Let me say this about that. My friends all around the world listening today on the collision of faith and politics with the Ninja Pastor, theninjapastor.com, drshawngreener.com, at the Ninja Pastor on Twitter, facebook.com backslash smgreener, on LinkedIn, everywhere else. Listen. You just want to break through it all. Here's the question. And John Voigt called it. You, you can't sit back and allow this insidious thing called political correctness. You can't allow yourself to use the worthless numbers, labels, titles, divisions, and acronyms to define you. You can't allow that to divide you. The left is using it. Now the right is using it in some regard. You can't concede. You've got to reject their words. You've got to reject it. You've got to say every time they tell you you got to say something a certain way, don't do it. Joe Esterhouse says this, I worry that we are approaching a time that which is shocking is squeezed out by the Stalinism of political correctness. I'm going to say this again. Uh, I'm not an apologist for Donald Trump, but but he 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 gets this right here. He gets this absolutely right. Look, he's a doer. He's a doer. He's a genuine article that's usually reserved for people that talk, talk a bunch of game. Donald Trump does it. A lot of people are, are running him down on the left and even some people on the right. Oh, he, he's only 49 seconds. He's unloading a truck for 49 seconds down in Louisiana. He just did it for a photo op. Really? Because he paid the hundreds of thousands of dollars it cost to fill that truck. He paid the driver to drive down there and he paid a team to help unload it. Now he's running for president. Folks, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's, he's not running for some stupid thing. He's running for president. You understand that, right? He's not running for mayor. He's not running for dog catcher. He's running for president of the United States of America. Mike Pence says this. He's the genuine article. He is a doer in a game usually reserved for talkers. And when Donald Trump does his talking, he doesn't tiptoe around the thousand new rules of political correctness. Mike Pence. Listen, I, you know, I, I find that refreshing. Do I like everything that he says? No. By the way, you're right, Jerry. Did Hillary send a truck that she personally paid for? No, she did not. Did, did Barack Hussein Obama, did he send a truck? No, he did not. Busy on vacation. Barry Humphrey said this, when people laugh at me, they're not laughing in the way they normally would at a comedian. They're laughing with relief because the truth has been spoken and political correctness has not strangled this particular gigastar. Barry Humphreys. I have a distinct memory dating back to 1989 or so of sitting around with my college dorm mates talking about a new term that was popping up everywhere, political correctness. Megan, Megan Dom. Megan Dom. 
You understand that, right? Do you guys understand that? College campuses, college campuses. What have I said about education? What have I said today about education? I've said that public education is, is killing us. And so Megan Dom, she has a distinct memory dating back to 1989 or so, sitting around with her doormates. And what's this new term popping up everywhere? Political correctness. And, you know, the left wants to say all the time, they all the time want to say they're the creative bunch. They're the generous bunch, even though we know the left is far less generous than people on the right are. The left is always doing fundraisers to give your money. And so they'll get up there and be on stage and they'll raise money to give your money away. They're not giving their money. Well, uh, well, they're lending their name to it. So what? But they love to say how creative they are, yet they're the least creative bunch. I will never be a fan of any kind of political correctness. I think it's instant death to creativity. Mods Mickelson says that. Political correctness, here's a guy I, I, I like. I've never met him. I know lots of friends that spend a lot of time with him. Um, Pete Hegseth, Hegseth, people say, Pete Hegseth. Political correctness is a poison to our security and defenses. It imposes willful blindness both at the macro level when unwilling to engage with radical Islamism or whatever you want to call it, if you're not willing to call it what it is, and at the micro level, at the street level. Now, that's Pete Hegseth. Now, I, I want to say this. I want to say this, and, and I want to say it with all deference and, and respect. Americans out there right now listening to my voice and people around the world, especially those of you in Europe. Those of you in Europe right now, I, I on the one hand, feel bad for you. And on the other hand, uh, I, I just, how do I put it this way? How do I put it this way? I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, not the politically correct way. Let me read what Pete, Pete Heggs has said again. He's a combat veteran and travels around with Senators, uh, uh, Concerned Veterans of America, Defend Freedom Tour, all that. Wrote a book that's a bestseller. He's on Fox all the time, on all these places all the time. Pretty sharp guy. I, like I say, I don't know him in person, but I know people that know him real well. Political correctness is a poison to our security and defenses. Now, the next thing that he says, it imposes a willful blindness, both at the macro level when unwilling to engage with radical Islamism or whatever you want to call it, if you're not willing to call it what it is, and at the micro level, at the street level. Now, look, we can, we can, we can say to ourselves, hey, you know what? We're not going to use the term jihad. How many of you were listening um, I don't know how many weeks, what was it, three weeks ago that I had uh, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. If you want to listen to that interview, uh, he was on for 47 minutes. Uh, TheNinjaPastor.com, go to listen, and it'll be right there, the recording of it, commercial free, and, um, and all in high fidelity, free of charges. It doesn't cost you a dime. Listen to that. Listen to that, and, and he, will, he will tell you. If you're unwilling to engage with radical Islam, and you're unwilling to even call it what it is, listen, folks, that's that's the death knell. Do you all understand that? That's the death knell. Because if you're unwilling to call your enemy what it is, you're going to die. 
You're going to die. You're, you're going to die. You're going to be killed a brutal, awful death. And you know what? Black Lives Matter isn't much different. Black Lives Matter, it, they're not much different. And another quote that I have here by Marcus Brigstoke, Britain is obsessed with political correctness. Remember last week? You guys remember last week I talked about uh, the, the, the uh, imam, or he's not even an imam, uh, but, he, but he's finally been locked up. You guys remember that, right? Um, he's finally been locked up because he's inciting violence and all this stuff in Great Britain. Um, he he was on, um, what's the guy's name? Sean Hannity. He was on Sean Hannity a lot, and they had a lot of, they had a lot of fights back and forth. But I'm glad that Sean Hannity had him on there. Uh, by the way, I've met him. He's super, super nice guy. Sean Hannity's as regular a dude as you'll ever want to meet. But uh, anyway, um, I have to say, What's that guy's name? Dang it. I am forgetting his name. Ah, I'll think of it. Anjum Chowdhury. So Chowdhury's finally been locked up. And now this is the guy who last week I talked about uh, over and over and over and over. I talked about, I did a big chunk of the show about this guy, you know, because it's a religious, political, and military ideology. We don't want to go after people in Islam. We don't want to do it because then it makes us look bad. Well, what's one of the worst places that this happened? Britain, Great Britain. Listen, if you're a school, by the way, if you're a parent of a private school student who you have a term, especially Christian schools, if you have a term uh, where you go and you do uh, missions in other places or broaden your horizon, if you're planning on going to Europe, don't go to Great Britain. Don't go to France. They, they have turned over their society to, to radical Islam. They've turned it over. They've invited them in. They said, we're not going to stop them. This is what we're going to do. Meanwhile, the women are getting raped. People are getting stabbed. People are running over by trucks. They can't protect your child. They cannot protect your child. They will not protect your child. And neither can the Christian school uh, parents and teachers that are taken there because they're too busy wearing their skinny jeans and talking like a girl, even though they're a boy and wearing man buns and trying to be sensitive and nice. And, you know, come on. It's ridiculous. They're not protecting your kid. They're not going to. They can't do it. 80-some people get killed by a truck. You think they're going to be able to protect your kids? No, they're not. It's silly for these schools to be doing these things. They, Your children will not be safe, period. Anyway, Mike Myers says this. When you're writing these things, you're in a room making each other laugh. You really have very little sense of political correctness or incorrectness. This is a question that Europe tends to ask and America doesn't. Mike Myers. I got to say this about that. I'm not sure what planet he's living on because if I would still put America as far as the development uh, of things, I don't think we're where I don't think we're, we're where they are yet. But you're right, Jerry. Uh, Europe is in real trouble. The UK is in real trouble. And Hillary absolutely is our Angela, Angela Merkel. That's a fact, folks. Let's not be stupid about it. Let's not be dumb. There's nothing worse than being dumb. National standards was not a, a narrative of past events, but was a left-wing revisionism and political correctness. Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the thing. So what happened here? What happened here? In the education system some time ago, um, they knew. They knew 
how to do it. They knew to get themselves into school board positions. I talk about Center for Self-Governance all the time. Folks, in September, September 20th through the 24th, I think, the Center for Self-Governance will be back in the state of Delaware. Uh, we're going to have powerful training. It's going to be awesome. Uh, starting tomorrow, I'm going to be calling everyone that's taken level one or level two. We're going to be calling you and we're going to be inviting you to take a day off if you have a job, um, to take time off. You're going to have a choice between an evening class. You're going to have all kinds of options to come. Why is Center for Self-Governance so important? The Center for Self-Governance is important because it gets back to the real and it teaches you, regular people, how to take back your government. You say, why can't you just tell us over the phone? I have been through, I don't know, hundreds of hours of Center for Self-Governance training, and you want me to call that down to a quick statement for your convenience? No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Habit and long training. You must submit to habit and long training. Well, I'm too busy. Well, then get used to chains. Hope you like change because that's what's going to happen. And not I'm not saying change. I'm talking about chains. This is what Barack Hussein Obama says. We need to reject any politics that target people because of race and religion. This isn't a matter of political correctness. It's a matter of understanding what makes us strong. The world respects us not just for our arsenal. It respects us for our diversity and our openness and the way we respect every faith. Mister, you respect only one faith, and that is Islam. You have mistreated Jews the, since long before you got into office. You have egregiously uh, dismissed and, and, and disrespected our best ally. And you know what? Christians in America, followers of the way, followers of Jesus Christ, Catholics, uh, you name the, the faith, unless they're on your team, you have abused them and disaffected them. Listen, the world doesn't disrespect us now, thanks to Barack Hussein Obama. They laugh at us. If my great friend Bert, he lives in the Ukraine. He's done uh, amazing, amazing things all around the world. His background is somewhat similar to mine. Uh, he is retired and is living the life in Odessa. Not Odessa, Delaware, but Odessa, you know, over by the Ukraine. And um, he, he lives a different life. He lives how he wants to live. He's chosen to live there. But he can tell you uh, the world, they're, they're looking at us going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, this guy, Barack Hussein Obama? They don't talk about America anymore with respect. They think that we are idiots. How can you allow this man to do these things? How do you elect a guy who is so impossibly ill-prepared and has such ill will for the country? How do you elect a guy who we don't even know who his father is? How do you elect a guy who doesn't give his... Now, look, if you think that the the birth certificate that they put forth is real. You got another thing coming. Come on, get some glasses. It's not real, and it's been disproven by worldwide experts who do not have an axe to grind. He says the world respects us not just for our arsenal. That is to assume that because the world, how about his university records, Jerry? How about that? You're absolutely right. First president in history. By the way, he's also the first president in history that did not submit a DNA sample. Every president, since we've had DNA sampling, has submitted a DNA sample. So by saying the world respects us not just for our arsenal, he and, and he has, he is, look, he wants to name a, a Navy ship after Harvey Milk. That dude is a sickening example of how far wrong a brain can go. 
He may be a hero to the LGBT community, but he's no hero. And there's no way in this world that an, that America-hating deviant should ever be on the side of a ship. Meanwhile, we sit quietly. We sit quietly and obedient, and we say, well, what can you do? It's already been done. No, it hasn't. You know who controls the president? Congress. Look, I, I like Trey Gowdy's words as much as anybody else. I like, I do. I like the guy. He's a great prosecutor. He's never lost a case, but he's lost this case. Everything he gets up there and he grandstands, he says all these really powerful things. And then what happens? Nothing. Not a thing happens. Nothing. Here's the problem. Nothing happens because we don't flood his office with calls and letters and visits and say, look, you've talked real good, but now's the time to do something. Now's the time to take the political risk. You say you want to be a one-termer, get in there and get after it. You say this is going to be a last term, get in and get after it. Stop being nice. Stop talking good and start doing. Pressure, folks. Pressure. Ben Carson said this, I detest politics. And to be honest with you, it's a cesspool. And I don't think I would fare well in the cesspool because I don't believe in political correctness. And I certainly don't believe in dishonesty. Ben Carson. Love that statement. And you know what he stand? He stood firm on that. He stood firm on that. I got to hand it to the guy. Politics is accessible, but you know why it is? Because we have said, you know what? From every job, from dog catcher up to president, we've abdicated. We say we're too busy. What are we too busy doing? We're too busy going to work. We're too busy trying to make money for retirement. We're too busy trying to do the right thing, run our business, go to our job, you know, take care of our home, take care of our kids, all that stuff. We're busy people. So we said we had to turn this over to politicians, the professionals. So we give up. We give up. We say, you know what? I, I just can't. I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I cannot do it. I'm too busy. Center for Self-Governance. Centerforselfgovernance.com. Go to centerforselfgovernance.com. Write that down. Centerforselfgovernance.com. No, they do not pay me, and none of them get paid. They do it on their own dime. They depend on donations, just like I do. My friends, I've got to tell you, if you want to win it back, that's how you do it. And it's not something in a soundbite I can tell you over the, over the radio. Habit and long training. How do you make politics not be a cesspool? You say, you know what? I'm not going to stand for this. I'm not going to stand for it. I'm not going to sit idly by. And you gather together with a group of like-minded people. Maybe you don't agree on everything, but you agree on enough things, and you say, we're getting in it to win it. Hashtag million warriors. Million happy warriors. And you say, hey, I have got to do this thing. I've got to do it. I've got to get in to win it. I've got to stop talking smack. I've got to start really, really, really getting tough here. I got to get engaged. I got, I got to stop telling people. I got to stop telling people, hey, you know what we need to do? You need to do something. Somebody needs to do something. We got to stop talking that smack. It's going to get us ruined, folks. We're going to lose our country. And I don't mean generations from now. I mean, we're losing our country right now. Do you understand that right 
now. Look, the number of the show, right? I, I, I opened the show with this. Episode 3,954,112. Worthless number. Worthless number. Now, let me give you something else worthless. As with feminism, not to mention liberalism and conservatism, political correctness tends to mean what you want it to mean, which also pretty much amounts to utter meaningless. Megan Dom said that. I'll finish out the show. I'm going to finish out the show this way. The five most outrageously political correct, politically correct school rules. I talk about school a lot because, look, you know, our children are being miseducated. They're being indoctrinated. They are being put into a system which, quite frankly, is impossible. It is impossible. And in the final analysis, you know what? In the final analysis, we lose our society because we lost our children. In the latest installment, this was written by Jane Ridley, and I'm not going to be on much longer, so, so hang in there. In the latest installment of politically correct school rules and policies gone berserk, students in Pennsylvania have been sent home with a permission slip asking parents to sign off on their Oreo cookie consumption. That's right. Asking parents to sign off on their Oreo cookie consumption. Who doesn't like Oreos? Now, pre- Pre-Michelle Obama, Oreos were better because they were made with good stuff, real stuff, not chemicals. They tasted like Oreos instead of chemicals. You smell an Oreo cookie now. I'm not saying I won't eat double stuff. Now you have to eat the double stuff because the, the regulars, there's like no, there's nothing in them. The double stuff, yet double stuff is what the regulars used to be. So they send home a thing and they talk about a permission slip asking parents to sign off. Look, if your kid's going to eat Oreos, we need you to sign off on it. Teacher wants to know it's, whether it's okay for middle schoolers completing a science project to eat the double stuff Oreos using their experiment. As a precaution, she goes as far as to list the products, ingredients. No doubt terrified that parents might balk at the otherwise hidden dangers of milk's favorite cookie. No-nonsense New York City parenting expert Lenore Skenazi, it's a real name, Author of the blog, Free Range Kids, writes, there are 18-wheelers with brake problems, hungry bears just stumbling, stumbling out of hibernation, and lawnmowers that suddenly shift and reverse. And then there's the unparalleled danger of double-stuff Oreo cookies. Here's a rundown of other insane school and college rules that have most right-minded parents scratching their heads. Promoting gender inclusiveness. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to kid you here. I'm, I'm on the other side on this. I'm on the other side. I am not for all this gender business, this this uh, transgender, use the bathroom. It's stupid. The fact that we're having any sort of conversation at all about it shows how far down the rabbit hole we have gone. In October 2014, a school district in Nebraska, not L.A., Nebraska, not New York City, Nebraska, not Chicago, Nebraska circulated a handout that suggested teachers avoid gendered expressions such as boys and girls in case they alienate a transgender student. The instructions issued by the Lincoln Public School System recommended using general neutral expressions such as calling all readers, hey campers, or something as nonspecific as purple penguins when telling kids to sit down and on the rug for the circle time. I kid you not. Because there might be a transgender, there might be a transgender there, and you know what we got to do? We don't want to offend if they might be here. 
The University of California at Berkeley is known for its extreme political correctness. It certainly lived up to its reputation in November 2012 when the student government passed a resolution calling for a campus-wide ban on Salvation Army bell ringers and their red kettles at Christmas time. I kid you not. This is not something I'm making up. This is real. Are you guys feeling me on this? We want to get rid of the bell ringers. Why? Salvation and army. Salvation assumes that there is a God and that it's one God and we know the right God. And so we just can't, uh, gosh, we can't, we can't specify one God. That wouldn't be right. So what are we going to do? We're going to get rid of that whole salvation thing, assuming sins are wrong. And then that army, well, I don't really want to push army because that's militaristic and people get scared. Meanwhile, these people do actual good. At the front of the show, I talked about the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Cajun Navy, and now they're getting regulated. Now, they're, now all this stuff by the government, and a Republican by, you know, this guy wants to regulate them, and it's stupid. Who in the audience likes a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich sometime? I do, right? But in Portland, Oregon, a school official served up a controversy in September 2010 when she suggested peanut butter and jelly sandwiches carry racist connotations. I kid you not. Veronese Gutierrez, principal of Harvey Scott School, a public elementary through middle school, criticized a teacher who mentioned the sandwich in a lesson the previous year. What about Somali or Hispanic students who might not eat sandwiches? She asked. Look, I know, I know peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are racist, but what's the verdict on grilled cheese? Because let me tell you something. If grilled cheese is racist or sexist, I'm a racist. I'm a sexist. I'm a bigot. I love grilled cheese sandwiches. I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but I really love grilled cheese sandwiches. So this person, Veronique Gutierrez, she's a principal. What should have happened when she came out and said that? Get her out of office. Get her out of the job. Kick her out. Raise Kane. If the Black Lives Matter people can do it, so can you. If the, if the Muslim people can do it, so can you. Stop saying you want to change things. Stop talking smack and start doing. That school should have been flooded with letters and calls from all over the country. One of my great listeners called me in, in uh, Tennessee. And, and she told me, she was great, wonderful lady. I've known her for a long time. She called me. Uh, she's a little bit of an elderly lady, but she had her ear to the ground. And one of her grandchildren or, or uh, you know, children had a, uh, a friend or a relative or somebody that went to school. And they said, you got to take off your, your Confederate flag off your vehicle or you're not going to be allowed to park at school and you will be suspended. Now, the school says... You know, they release a statement saying that we're trying to be inclusive. We have to be tolerant of all people that come here. And that image is offensive to some. And we have to respect that. Well, first of all, the, the, the principal, uh, first thing I did was look all the numbers up and call them. I got on the phone and called her. She was a very nice lady. They put her on the phone. I was very impressed with her. And I said, look, what's the deal? I've got a national radio audience, international radio audience, and I'm going to talk about it today. Tell me what the real deal here is, and, and I'll, I'll pass it along. She says, well, some folks that kind of blew things out of proportion, it wasn't really that way. But in fairness, yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we did say that, you know, this might be something you think about leaving at home. 
that while we understand, you know, you may have strong feelings for it in the positive. Well, there's others that have strong feelings in the negative. My, my question to her was, why not educate those people that have a negative connotation? They have a negative impression of the Confederate flag. Why not educate them on the truth about the Confederate flag? You live in Tennessee. How can you not know what the Confederate flag actually stands for? And how can you threaten to suspend high school students who are driving their cars, freedom of expression? How? How can you do it? Well, we kind of have to look at the Constitution and constitutional rights through the prism of the public school system and realize that some things just simply don't apply here. I said, blah, blah, blah. So you, as a, a public school principal, are telling me that you have the power to suspend the Constitution. No, 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 Dr. Sean. I don't, I'm not saying I have the power to do it. I'm just saying that it might be the most prudent of things to do. And I said, listen, let me just tell you something. And then I referred her to several links, which would, which, you know, really clear her up. And, and, and she said, I'll call you back after I'm able to take a look. I'll call you back. And, and if it has any impact on my decision-making, I will definitely call you back. I, I will, I'll, I'm going to vow that. I said, great. I love that. And she did that later that afternoon, she called me. In fact, I was in a center for self-governance class. I was actually hosting one. And she calls me back. I couldn't believe it. A Tennessee number shows up on my thing. I'd already saved her in there. And, uh, and she says, you know what? I read what you, what you sent me. And I have to say that I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. I'm from the South and I didn't know this. I didn't know these things. And I'm wondering why are we teaching this? If it's not true, why are we teaching it? Just because it makes people feel better. We need to teach the truth, not feelings. How about red and green, you know, Christmas? Holiday trees. That's what they're called. They're called holiday trees. Listen, you're not going to believe this, but instead of Christmas trees, they're calling them holiday trees. And at, but at Nicholas, I, I, I don't want you to be mad at me. This really did happen. Nichols Elementary in Frisco, Texas, went one step further in 2013. The colors red and green were banned from the school's winter party. And the children were not allowed to make any reference to Christians, uh, Christmas or any other religious holiday. One teacher there wanted to add an elf on the shelf to her classroom, but decided against it in case she got into trouble. You guys remember moments of silence to remember the victims of 9-11? Remember, we did away with that. We did away with moments of silence on 9-11 to remember the victims of 9-11 out of fear that it could offend Muslims. And then we straight up banned yoga because of cultural appropriation. We say, oh, wow, that would offend Muslims. Listen, we got to smarten up, people. University students voted to ban Canadian and American flags from inclusive space. In other words, where everybody can see. For this bizarre reason, you ready for this? Canadian and American flags are no longer welcome at the University of California. The Associated Students of the University of California, a union of college students, I kid you not, at Irvine, ACUSCI, voted to ban flags from hanging in its main lobby, an inclusive space, because they are offensive. According to the legislation, flags are symbols of patriotism or weapons for nationalism. So what does Germany do? They ban pork sausages in schools to avoid offending Muslims. Germany continued to commit cultural suicide this year. A report suggested that sausages had been removed from public canteens to avoid causing offense to Muslims. 
Beta male school principal bans Christmas, uh, Valentine's, and other holidays that threaten the culture of tolerance. Principal Scott Massini of Bruce Vento Elementary School sent a letter on a private Facebook page saying, I have come to the difficult decision to discontinue the celebration of the dominant holidays until we can come to a better understanding of how the dominant view will suppress someone else's view. He continued, one of the concerns that I have is whether or not this practice is encroaching on the educational opportunities of others and threatening the culture of tolerance and respect for all. Really? Really? <laughs> you ready for this? University of Ottawa in, in Canada bans free yoga classes because of its cultural appropriation. This is a real deal. This I didn't make this up. This person who wrote this article is very clear. You're, I'm not writing stuff to make you laugh. Keep that in mind as you as you hear this. A free yoga class at the University of Ottawa was banned by student leaders. Yoga would eventually return to the University of Ottawa, but with an Indian teacher replacing the white one that they had there for years. Because it's better if it's an Indian. University of Minnesota committee, ultra-liberal, making fun of terrorist compromises the cultural harmony of the campus. In other words, you make fun of a terrorist losing his life, getting killed by American service people or, or allies of us, we kill them, and you you say, good, good good riddance. Well, that, that's not, that culture, listen, we have a cultural harmony here, and that compromises it. I'm not kidding you. Muslim students continue a jihad on American sniper, yet other schools cancel screenings. Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, or RPI in New York, world-famous place, has decided to cancel its initial screening of American Sniper after the school's Muslim Students Association complained. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. And yet, and yet, we allow it to continue. There's a university out there that bans Bainbridge Island uh, Review in Bainbridge, Washington, um, fit gender equality. They they ban chalk after an offensive pro-Trump message triggered students. DePaul University, full jo social justice warrior, overtly politically correct. They banned students from chalking political messages on sidewalks after some students were offended by certain political messages the previous week. The messages included, lest you think that they're horrible, make DePaul great again, Blue Lives Matter, and Trump Train 2016. This is this University of Minnesota. We got to ban moments of silence for 9-11 because Muslims are offended because it would cause Islamophobia. I'm not kidding you, folks. At some point or another, we got to wake up. At some point or another, we have got to get serious and say, you know what? We're not going to tolerate it anymore. We're going to learn the systems. Half of you don't even know, 90% of you don't even know the electoral cycles in your political subdivision. You don't know when the mayor runs. You don't know who your representatives are. You don't even know what district you're in. Learn the system. You have got to learn the system. Welcome to all of our folks in chat. I, I don't know if I mentioned chat. We have chat on this. I kind of throttle it a little bit. Um, sometimes it gets crazy as if there's any swearing or name calling or whatever, we shut that down. I won't have any of that, but we have a really good chat bunch. 
Listen, get plugged in. Don't give up the fight. Learn how to fight by knowing the system. These people impact every element of your life. It's time to start acting like it. It's time to start acting like it, America. It's time to get a little heinous. It's time to get a little strong. It's time to get full on tough and to throw out political correctness for the garbage that it is. Thank you for joining us. If you in any way like what we do, at the very least, go to the ninjapastor.com, drshawngreener.com, blogtalkradio.com backslash ninjapastor, at the ninjapastor on Twitter, facebook.com backslash smgreener. Leave a comment. If you believe in what we do enough that you uh, that you want to help support us financially, we do this all on our own dime, the ninjapastor.com, click on the donate button, be right there. It's all super secure. I would never do anything that is going to jeopardize your personal security, your identity, any of that. Thank you so much for joining me every week. I love feeling like I'm not just talking to screens and a black wall. I'm sorry, a color uh, absent wall, a non-white wall. I love knowing, I love hearing from folks and letting us know that what we're doing is at least on the right page. God bless America. Remember our soldiers. Remember our veterans. Remember our gold star parents. Remember to pray for my buddy, Robert, and also for my brother. God bless you. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor and follow dr sean on twitter at the ninja pastor and on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash god in country radio and at www.drseangreener.com in the meantime dr sean will be fighting for you and for this great country Thank you for joining in this fight.